This is At Risk Radio. Welcome to At Risk Radio. At Risk Radio is a show where we talk about leadership inside the church at risk. My name is Mark Stafford, and I'm here with David Witt. David Witt is the CEO of SOM International. Now, David, uh, I used to be a church planter, and I understand very well this principle of needing somebody else to go with you, needing a co-leader. When you go out to plant a church, you try to do it on your own. It's very, very difficult to do something like as difficult as church planting on your own. So today's theme is co-leading as part of a a series that we're doing that's based on SOM International's Global Ambassador Training. So David, when you talk about co-leading, what exactly are you referring to? Well, like in all our podcasts, we I always love starting with a story because everything that we teach in Global Ambassadors and what's so marked my life is the work around the world and the global network and the visitations I've had. And uh, so as I was thinking about preparing for this podcast today, where my mind went, Mark, and I think you'll appreciate this story especially, is our graduation last year in Senegal. We had you know a bunch of Muslim background believers graduating from our church planning school there, and they go for six months, and they're preparing just the practical theology of how to go into villages with no witness of Christ that have never heard the name of Jesus before. It's just a, it's a powerful group of believers, and most of them, you know, all of them are first generation believers and just that context is is uh, beautiful but then you had the context in Senegal and how you know they're coming out of the Islamic world into believers and and you know it takes some of the strengths actually I, I believe that even were given by God and and, and and then you know we bring our context as Americans and I'm there you know as Americans we you know plan everything we start on time we end on time uh, well so it was funny we had to do a drive to where we we're gonna go to the graduation. I was told that the graduation ceremony was going to start at 11 a.m. Uh, we had to drive, uh, uh, you know, a couple hours to get there. And, and uh, dead serious, uh, we we didn't leave our house until 1130. And I, I knew, wait, didn't you say you, you, we had two hours to drive? And I'm in my mind confused, like, this is a graduation. This is a big deal. And everybody's there. So then we get there, you know, about a little before one. And um, and then, you know, I'm thinking, OK, right when we get there, everything's going to start. Well, I mean, it was laid back. This is laid back Africa, Senegal, especially. And nothing's moving fast. And I mean, and so I just like, OK, well, God, when it starts, it starts. They literally started the graduation at 5 p.m. Lunch was at 3 p.m. <laughs> and the dinner ended up being at midnight. <laughs> so I'm really observing all this right to get to our point here of co-leading. I, so I asked uh, Brother Sadu, uh, you know, about this and. And um, I, I said, well, tell me about what's going on there. Because you told me 11 a.m. We started at 5 p.m. I saw everybody wasn't there. Well, he began to explain that in their culture and what they really see, biblical culture, too, that God you know, confirms this, is that every leader must be present before starting events and making major decisions. And in Senegal and Africa, obviously, there's delays. Some people don't have good transportation. Sometimes, you know, they're delayed hours, even sometimes days. And so they're not going to exclude the, the, the body of Christ, the leadership. They're going to just wait in God's time, putting everybody together. And so they really work in community that way. Now, that's totally different from the way we see it in America. But I saw the beauty of the biblical principle there that they're co-leading. They, they know important decisions. Everybody needs to have a say. So they really discern what the Holy Spirit's doing. And in that way, also spread out the work. And so I, I thought that's a great illustration that successful leadership and leadership that exemplifies Jesus then is 
in a community of the leaders that God has raised up for those roles, specific roles? Well, we see in America that our idea of leadership is usually one isolated person with, you know, who barks out commands to a lot of other people. And that's not always how we see it done um, in Scripture. Um, how do we see Jesus deal with leadership and his disciples? How did he lead his disciples? Yeah, and, and I think, again, Jesus is always our example. He Christ is in us. So as we mature in him, we look more like Jesus. And so we see the record there in Scripture that he, the basic pattern was he sent to mountain groups. I mean, and classically, two by two. Uh, rarely do we see that Jesus did anything um, on his own or the disciples uh, did the work on their own. Um, you know, let's just think about the ones he did two by two. Um, Mark 6, and he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. Luke 10, we're told, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two in every town and place where he himself was about to go. Matthew 18, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now, that's interesting, Mark. Did you catch that? How in the beginning of Matthew 18, it starts about go alone personally to that person. That's one of the exceptions there, that we are to be alone when we confront somebody in sin. But if they don't receive it, then we take the witnesses with us. Yeah, that's that's interesting, David, and it's interesting to see that every time I can think about script, uh, scripture and leadership, it is in the context of it being with a a group of people. Uh, church eldership is often spoken of in the plural that there's elders plural and that leadership seems to be in groups when we deal with scripture. At Risk Radio. Can you imagine trying to disciple a church with only one Bible? This is Mark Stafford from At Risk Radio, and our contacts in Venezuela are telling us incredible stories about people coming to know Jesus, all the while pastors are missing Bibles for their people. After receiving a Bible from our ministry, one man said with tears in his eyes, no one has ever given me such a beautiful gift. At Risk Radio, in our partnership with SOM International, is working to bring 2 million Bibles into Venezuela. For more information about how you can help, go to atriskradio.com. Welcome back to At Risk Radio. My name is Mark Stafford, and I'm here with David Witt. Uh, we ended the last session by talking about how Jesus sent out leaders two by two. Uh, we see leadership oftentimes in groups, elders, are almost always talked about in the plural. And you know, David, that led me to think about when do we see leadership working in isolation? When do we see just one leader at a time? And I, as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, you know, Moses almost did, but then Aaron came along and uh, Elisha did some things alone, but then he had his school and John the Baptist did some things on his own, but then he had his disciples. It seems like every example I can think of, eventually there were some people around that person that helped him to lead. Can you think of a time that leaders worked alone in the scripture? Yeah, my mind goes to the same place. I think of, you know, Philip in the New Testament going out and he was sent out by God and met the Ethiopian. Certainly we see that he did that on his own. But then Philip, of course, was always contacted back with the, the fellowship. 
you know, we have uh, Paul. When people think of Paul, they think Paul Barnes or Paul and uh, Silas. And you know, Paul and Timothy, you know, these are groups uh, through the New Testament. And you're like you said, even in the Old Testament, uh, Elijah had his school uh, of prophets. Elisha did the same. And, they, and Elisha had his assistants constantly. So, you know, we hear about the, the, you know, certainly the strong main leaders, the prophets, God's righteous people. But they always had their cancels. They always had their knit friendships. And so God puts this pattern that he wants us to be in community in leadership and not in totalitarianism. And, you know, you brought up the abuse. When do we, let's see, think about even modern times. What do we call an organization that's run by one person? It's many times we call that dictatorship, <laughs> totalitarianism, right? I mean, that's not a positive view of leadership. Yeah. And we see really historically throughout church history, honestly, if, if I'm being, if I'm being honest about this, David, when a leader gets isolated is when they usually get in trouble. Yeah. And we see historically that people who are really successful in leadership throughout church history were people who had very close companions with them helping them lead. Uh, what's been your experience there? Exactly. I, I get nervous when I see what I would call cult of personality. When, when one leader has lifted himself up and everybody kowtows at their feet, nothing's ever questioned. Um, you know, that's not co-leadership. That's not the, I, I, well, what I want to put the principle in, I think is so important is humility. That's the one thing I look for in everybody I work with is humility and, and co-leading does not totally encompass all of humility, but humility will encompass co-leading, right? And when someone's walking in humility, they want a team. And that's what we see is the essence of Jesus' leadership is teamwork. The body of Christ is teamwork. And then the Holy Spirit gives different giftings, different roles within the body uh, that can be distinct and unique. But we work in co-leading to point toward people to influence people towards Jesus. Because remember, we've talked about leadership is influencing people in the in the direction of righteousness. Um, and, and so co-leading is when leaders get together and they're all working, collaborating together within their giftings, their callings, to put people on that path of righteousness. We hear a lot about in you know political circles about you know people who can speak truth to power. That's how they like to put it in American politics. But there's something to that when a leader is humble enough to receive a truth that's being spoken to them and then to really consider it, even if they don't consider that person. I, I, this is maybe overstating it, but they don't consider about the same status. You know, they're not a leader like I'm a leader. But for them to be able to receive, hey, this is one of my employees who's able to say to me something that's true that I need to really consider. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they've studied too well a bit when groups work in mutual respect of each other to contribute, collaborate, they're better. Like for instance, I just read an interesting article comparing special forces of China, special forces of the United States. This article basically came up. It's equal as far as weaponry, as technology, as far as numbers. China actually has more special forces than the United States does. They said the one advantage they saw was China was conformity. So those underneath um, authority would not question authority. They, they couldn't contribute to solutions. While American special forces, they even the support forces, they encourage contribution to you know solving problems uh, that they come up against, and you know that's the ultimate biblical picture. Jesus wants his people uh, to be involved in the solution of sin. You know the kingdom of God is in us. We are the salt and light here, and that's the powerful picture of who God makes us. We are creating. We are giving worship 
when we're contributing towards the leadership, the salt and light in this world. Well, and that the leadership is able to deal with a little bit of tension. That there are some sometimes some different opinions in what they have, and you know I think of the scripture here, um, uh, Acts fifteen two. It says uh, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension. That as they were talking about these things, they had different opinions and they debated about those things, and uh, and that there was there was some health in that tension though that they could make decisions they could talk about those things and and ultimately they felt comfortable enough with each other to talk about some hard subjects and i've seen that's healthy in a church setting too when a leader is able to say hey you got a different opinion about this and let's talk it through well yeah and you know what uh, mark that's a perfect scripture let's give context to how deep that point is from the his, church history there in Acts 15. The issue came up that men of Judah were uh, teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And it was dividing the church there. And I mean, today we would be, if they went along with that doctrine, we would Christianity would look quite different. So that's when Paul and Barnabas um had such a division and a debate with those believers that here's where it picks up in the scripture. It says Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So you got apostles, you got elders, you know, the apostles could lord it over the elders say, no, well, you know, we, we're, we're the bottom line, um, you know, decision makers here. We're going to decide on this. No, they got everybody involved collectively. They humbled themselves before each other, discussed it. And then they came out with the conclusion that no, of course, uh, by you know by history and by the word that you did not have to become a Jew to be saved, uh, and that course defined who we are as a church today. Um, and that decision was made in co-leading. Yeah, and there's a principle there that they appointed plural elders. So what does that teach us about how we organize leadership inside the church today? Yeah, so it's, you know, again, that's, and we're told all through Acts and New Testament that everywhere they went, they found reliable people. They appointed elders that were qualified in their, you know, the, the fruit of their lives was a clean hearted, righteous lives. And they had wisdom in the word of God. And the two things that really set elders apart, well, let's say three. One is prayer. They talk about to save themselves from apart for prayer and the study of the word of God is third. And then uh, thirdly, what separates people can look at that difference, even deacons who were serving, was that elders were able to teach the scriptures. In other words, they were getting an authority um, and a wisdom of understanding God's word and it appropriate God's kingdom work and word uh, within their congregations. Well, there's a lot more to be said about that, about biblical eldership, but that's maybe for a different program because we have to wrap up for today. I want to remind our listeners to subscribe to At Risk Radio if you've liked this podcast, and then to share this podcast with others so that they can benefit from it as well. If you want to find other like-minded people who you could serve with, who you could be trained with, make sure that you go to spiritofmartyrdom.com and click on the link that says Global Ambassadors. And the Global Ambassador training is incredible. And we encourage you to be a part of that. You've been listening to At Risk Radio. For more, go to atriskradio.com. At Risk Radio is a production of SOM International.